I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got another icon of Echoes and a duo making a brooding ambient chamber music. A winged victory for the sullen is the duo of Dustin O'Halloran and Adam Wiltsey. For much of this decade, they've been making slow-mo symphonic music. Their latest album, Invisible Cities, is a score to a surrealist theater work. hear from the 13th icon of Echoes, Pat Metheny. You know him as a giant of the guitar, a pioneer of fusion, and a voracious music explorer, but he has a new album where he hardly plays any guitar. It's called Road to the Sun, and these are through composed works performed by classical guitarist Jason Vio and the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. Before we get to that, let me tell you about Echoes Online, our streaming subscription service. You can get all 10 hours of Echoes programs we produce each week, a backlog of some three or four weeks, plus exclusive online-only streams. And you can do it all on the free Echoes app. The public stations in your area are clueless or you want a more convenient listening time, like whenever you want, find out about Echoes Online at echoes.org. And now, another icon of Echoes as we count up the 30 that you chose for our first 30 years. This is the 12th icon, Pat Metheny, in a new interview with this truly iconic artist. Pat Metheny is not just an icon of Echoes, the 13th out of 30. He is an icon period for adventurous music lovers across jazz, fusion, and just about any other kind of music you can think of. So when he takes a turn into a new direction, it's no surprise, even when he hardly plays guitar on his own album of guitar instrumentals. Road to the Sun is a classical album from the guitarist, with compositions played by Jason Vio and LAGQ, the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. But although you may not hear him play, you'll hear Pat Metheny. Pat Metheny's career has been built on the guitar with his Pat Metheny group, forays into free jazz, orchestrated music, and famously, his orchestrion. In its original incarnation, the orchestrion filled a stage from one end to another with computer-controlled acoustic music machines. But out front, Pat Metheny stood with his guitar. With Road to the Sun, Metheny has created a pair of multi-movement works. One played by solo classical guitarist Jason Vio, and the other by the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. Speaking to me without video on Zoom, Metheny says that while most of his music has been a platform for improvising, these are classical players, not jazz musicians. 
These guys are not improvising musicians. They are, you know, in a tradition where you have to tell them everything, every little detail that you want. You have to notate it and, you know, find a way of expressing that on a piece of paper that can be understood through this uh, pretty amazing language that has developed in Western music over the last few hundred years of, you know, written music on a page. Speaking on Zoom from his band's namesake city, Los Angeles, William Kanengeiser of LAGQ says it was a language that Matheny learned and adapted to the ensemble. Adapting his vocabulary, his language, onto the classical guitar and uh, for classical guitars, it's almost like a translation. And so there are some things that we could do our best to imitate the pat sound on, you know, on the steel string acoustic, you know, but it actually really stretched us a lot, you know, to like figure out how do we as classical guitarists really bring out this sort of signature sound of pat and still being true to our own technique and our own, you know, aesthetic. piece he wrote for Jason Vio, Four Paths of Light, may have been more challenging bringing his orchestral range to a simple acoustic guitar. I mean, playing solo guitar is really a challenging thing to do, and Jason is a hero for me. I mean, he's been one of my main heroes from the first time I heard him play, because he has that thing that's very hard to find of he can do all of the most advanced kinds of things you would ever want to hear uh, on an instrument. And he can also play really simple, really well. thing you kind of do have to do to get a successful solo guitar piece is take advantage of open strings and so forth when you can to create again these illusions that you know are something that I think all guitar players sort of we all kind of have to do that to a certain degree and there's a lot of that built into that third movement where you know there's things that I wrote for him that are really hard to do that you could just could not do unless person that was writing it was aware that you can do this only if that third 16th note is an open string so that you can then get to the fourth 16th note which is in a different position. have slightly different recollections of how their meeting came about. Pat Matheny. Somewhere in their trajectory as a band, they recorded one of my pieces arranged by a really great arranger. And, you know, I was aware of them before that, more through their interpretations of classical stuff. But 
you know, it was notable, like, oh, wow, they're doing one of my tunes in the midst of everything else. And I kind of got to know a couple of them here and there. I think maybe John had come to a concert of mine. And, you know, it was just something that it kind of came up, like, would you write something for us? William Cannon guys were ascribes a little more intent to their collaboration. I don't know how much he told you about the story, how we first met. But it was basically through this guitar festival up in, in Montana near the Glacier National Park. And we thought, okay, what can we put on our program that's going to get Pat excited? Like <laughs> We planned our program just like there was one guy in the audience we were playing to. And we played the gig and he came backstage and he was like, yeah, you know, I just really love to write a piece for you guys. And we were like, oh, man, home run. In actuality, both LAGQ and Jason DeVio had recorded Pat Metheny's music before. The song he made for LAGQ was supposed to be a short piece, five to eight minutes long. He wrote us and he said, I've got some time in my schedule. I'm going to sit down and start writing your piece. I've blocked it out. And then about a month and a half later, I know it was because it was on New Year's Eve day, we got this and he said, you know, I sketched out your piece. It's 28 minutes long. <laughs> you know, it's six movements, 28 minutes long. They really just wanted a five-minute piece. And I was on vacation with my family, and we were in Guadalupe. And this thing just kind of started coming out, and it just kind of kept going. And, you know, I, I wasn't orchestrating it or arranging it or anything. I was just kind of writing this top line. Road to the Sun traverses many of the influences you hear in Pat Metheny's own music, including jazz, country, classical, and Brazilian music. But there's one influence you may not expect. Getting the sound and the touch of the strums that he wanted, that was an interesting thing for us because we sort of instinctively gravitate to flamenco, you know. And Pat was like, no, don't go flamenco on me. You know, and he was like, can you think Ramones here? <laughs> you know? Think Ramones. It's in the fifth movement when we're just ba 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 bomb ba 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 bomb ba 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 ba. No, I'm not tuned up for this, but well, uh, neither were the Ramones. You know, yeah, very good, very good. But you know, it's almost like a technique issue because we tend to go down up down up down up down up, right? And he was like, no, down 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 down. It's like every chord is accent. GQ were wondering if Matheny would play guitar on the piece himself. He never did in the recording studio, but he does turn up. When I got the first edit of the, like, the final release, I was listening through and about you know halfway, three quarters way through the second movement, I was like, wait a minute, we don't play steel string. <laughs> Who's playing steel string in the background there? And I was like, oh my God, it's Pat. Pat overdubbed the strumming sections in the second and fifth movements. And I was like, man, no wonder it sounds so good. Because 
it's of course his nuance, you know, the incredible nuance he can get with his strumming. But just the sound of that steel string, even though it's it's really low in the mix, it's it's just there. that Pat Metheny really plays on is his rendition of Arvo Pertz Für Alina. But Pat Metheny playing guitar is not what Road to the Sun is about. I don't know. I mean, I know I'm a guitar player and people think of me as a guitar player and all that. You know, the guitar part of it all for me is like, you know, maybe that's somewhere in the top 10 of, <laughs> of things, but it's you know, I, I guess for me, music is something that happens like kind of before any instrument, really. Pat Metheny's latest album with Jason Vio and the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet is Road to the Sun on Modern Recordings. I'll have a link for Pat Metheny's Road to the Sun in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. We've also put up a stream of Pat's 2011 live Echoes performance. You can get that at echoes.org or the Echoes app. And you don't have that? What are you waiting for? It's at your usual sources. Put in Echoes Radio and it comes up a lot faster. You can see the complete list of the 30 icons of Echoes at echoes.org. And now, a winged victory for the sullen. Winged Victory for the Sullen is the ominous name for two musicians. Keyboardist and composer Dustin O'Halloran, who has scored TV shows and films like Transparent, Ammonite, and Lion, and Adam Wiltsey, a keyboardist and guitarist who also worked on Lion and led the ambient chamber group Stars of the Lid. They've been together since 2013, composing film scores and theater works. They were supposed to be on Echoes in March of 2020 when they were touring their album, The Undivided Five, but you know what happened there. Now they have a new album, Invisible Cities, a score for mammoth theatrical work. thing you won't find in the music of a winged victory for the sullen a groove <laughs> no <laughs> i can only speak for myself <laughs> 
I mean, obviously we get pushed into it sometimes with the film scoring, but if I'm left to my own devices, I generally stay away from it. I always feel like drums and beats have to be intentional in some way. They need to have a reason to be there. <laughs> and if, you know, and I just don't think we, our music is really called for it. That's Adam Wiltsey and Dustin O'Halloran speaking to me on Zoom from Brussels and Reykjavik, respectively, where they are each holed up during the pandemic. Their new album, like their second recording, Atmos, is based on a theater work. In this case, a 90-minute multimedia show based on Italo Calvino's 1972 novel, Invisible Cities. The book is about the relationship between Kublai Khan, emperor of the Wan dynasty, and explorer Marco Polo. Directed by Leo Warner, it's a massive work. Adam Wiltsey. There were so many aspects to the performance. There was sort of Shakespearean theater acting. There was video production going on. There was obviously the dance architecture. You know, it's the space that they took over. The old Mayfield Depot was an old mail train depot from previous to World War II. It's this huge space in the center of Manchester, about the size of two football pitches. The Sunday Times described it as a beautiful frenzy of movement. However, the music is anything but. Frenzy of movement isn't usually our, in our description, but the theater piece involved a lot of dance. So maybe <laughs> somehow that's coming through in some way. Although they are working with computers and electric instruments, the effect is often like 20th century composers such as Georgi Ligeti and Morton Feldman. On a few tracks, you can hear the influence of minimalism creeping in, especially Philip Glass. Dustin O'Halloran. No, I was just thinking like, in some ways, you know, I get influenced a lot by just working with sequencers. And I realize that's probably, you know, in some ways, maybe Philip sort of kind of came at some of his pattern ideas in this way because when you set up a sequencer like on an old synth and an old Juno or something you know it creates these really beautiful patterns and the one thing with Adam and I it's there isn't a lot of big key changes there aren't a lot of big movements in this way but it's about how things interlock and so in that way you know it's probably building on some of those same ideas that Philip and the rest of the guys in New York were working with but uh yeah, it wasn't something that I actually thought about at the time, but yeah. Both musicians actually read the original novel by Italo Calvino, just kind of a far eastern 1001 Nights, as it depicts Marco Polo telling Kublai Khan about all the amazing cities he's seen, most of which he's made up. Adam Wiltsey. It's like this really strange psychedelic 13th century travelogue. Two guys telling stories and going to these fictitious cities. Most of them are fictitious, don't exist. These 
cities that have been in, sort of invented in this guy's head. And it's always a little bit surreal and dreamlike. Music sets a mood more than scores the movements on stage, but a piece like There Is One, of which you never speak, is linked directly to the action. It's specifically referencing a, a city in the novel that actually was real, which is Venice, because the, one of the two main characters is Marco Polo. And it gets to this point towards the end of the novel where his rival uh, Kublai Khan is, you know, he wants to know about this city, Venice, and finally he starts to tell him about the city he came from. And it's sort of like one of the main cities that actually exists in the novel. So what's happening at the end of this piece? Because it sounds like you're destroying it. That's our happy moment in the score. <laughs> I mean, this is also getting into the sound design. You know, there's a scene, it's really connected to the production. There's a scene in the production where Kublai Khan, the main character, gets sort of ripped apart by all these ropes and so he just wanted everything to sort of go from this beautiful pace and just have everything completely break apart so I followed his instructions to a T. A winged victory for the Solon's previous album, The Undivided Five, came out just before pandemic. It was much more overtly melodic. It employs a large orchestra and took its starting point from the patron saint of ambient chamber music, Claude W.C. The one deliberate experiment that we did was with the W.C. prelude where we took a single bar of music and just sort of deconstructed six chords, basically, and just kind of dug into it and tried to understand what we could do with it. I mean, maybe it's extreme minimalism, but we thought that it could be an interesting thing to try out, and then that ended up being the first track on the album. also did something unusual in essentially re-recording or re-amplifying their music in a different space. We did this reamping session in the church across the street from my apartment that created the reverb that we used, which really adds this sort of layer of just massiveness. Reamping is basically taking a pre-recorded sound, amplifying it through speakers, and re-recording it in the acoustic space. So we're adding the sound of the acoustic space. But the way we did it is we layered the microphones in different positions, so there were some farther back. So as we were mixing the record, we basically could sort of create the depth of field. We could change the depth of field of each sound. We reamped the orchestra, which was already recorded in a big room, 
So it's an unrealistic sound. An orchestra would never be that loud in a church. So we were able to capture a reverb tail that is hyper-realized. And we were really blown away by how beautiful it sounded, how good it sounded. Dustin O'Halloran and Adam Wolsey had ambitious stage production all set for the spring 2020 tour. It's just we have this huge light show. We're basically, you know, we've taken over for Pink Floyd, basically. But Corona did that in, and now, after putting something elaborate together and being forced to shelve it, they don't want to make any plans for the near future. It's pointless. I have a couple colleague friends, you know, friends that are trying to plan shows, but they try to plan shows in between the two lockdowns that just happened, and then they end up having to cancel all their shows again. So it seems sort of counterproductive. So I think it's best. And also just, we got to ride it out and just let the world go back to normal. This other thing I was thinking of, okay, imagine for a moment, at some point, maybe the world is going to go back to normal. And I get the feeling that every single band on earth is going to suddenly that month is going to try to go back out on tour and no one's going to have any money. No one's going to be able to buy any tickets. (laughs) (laughs) that is a tragic outlook shared by many unfortunately but even if you can't see them you can hear them the latest albums by a winged victory for the sullen are the undivided five released on ninja tune and invisible cities on their own label artificial pine arch manufacturing. I will have a link for Invisible Cities by a winged victory for the sullen up in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. Next week on the Echoes podcast, the beautiful chance of Shunya, a duo that includes a former Miss America contestant. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now, or whenever the heck you want. <laughs>